world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. My soul proclaims your greatness, O God. And my spirit rejoices in you. Please be seated. Grace to all of you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy God, we gather on this most special night. This night when the veil between this world and the next is at its thinnest. This night of quiet and awesome prayer and praise. This night of your coming to our world. This night where we enter with one another into those awesome events that change the universe. We thank you for your spirit mightily at work now. And we pray that our hearts would be as the manger was, open to receive your presence. In your holy and blessed name we pray. Amen. Indeed, of all the days of the year, Christmas Eve is probably the one that is most susceptible to nostalgia. One dictionary defines nostalgia as being a yearning for an idealized past. Think of how we turn Christmas into a nostalgic moment in our year. We decorate our houses. We prepare our foods. We invite our guests we listen to, central, or listen to songs like, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, or I'll be home for Christmas. We get ourselves ready, and we create a mood 
that is nostalgic. And then we come to church and we turn up the heat just a little bit to relax all of you. <laughs> and we read the story that you've heard so many times before. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus and the story unfolds, the story that you have almost memorized. And it puts us in a mood, a nostalgic mood, for that holy moment in the back of that barn where everything was beautiful and sweet like the manger scene on your table. Where Mary has just given birth and it was a quick, easy birth, no problems. The cattle are lowing. They're all surrounding Jesus. None of them are hungry. They're just watching the child in their manger. There's a candle in a lantern casting a glow. It's warm and beautiful and friendly. Well, of course, the first Christmas was probably not anything like that at all. It was probably scary and lonely and cold and dark. That's the thing about nostalgia. We have a yearning for an idealized past, but it is often very divorced from reality. Christmas Eve is not the only time that we are nostalgic. There are many times, places, ideas that are nostalgic for us. I tried to think of a few this week. One I thought of was King Arthur and Camelot and the Knights of the Round Table. We tell the stories about chivalry. We idealize that past. We are nostalgic for it. We dream of a Camelot where there was justice and peace and everyone worked together. The reality is that medieval England was not at all like that. We sometimes make reference in a nostalgic way to the decade of the 1950s when America was great. Everything was good. We had just pushed the fascists back. We won World War II. We were exerting our presence on the world stage and we had helped create the United Nations and NATO and World Trade Organization. Life was simpler then. Leave it to Beaver. Homes were popping up in the suburbs. Life was good. We're nostalgic about that period. And yet, those of you who lived through the 50s probably remember better than I that there were also a time of racism and sexism and homophobia and a threat of nuclear war. Not always as great as how we remember it. One of my favorite places on earth, in fact, maybe the favorite place on earth for me, except maybe for church here, <laughs> is the most nostalgic place on the planet the Magic Kingdom in Disneyland. <laughs> we go walking down Main Street, we go back in time to the 1900s, and all the walls and the storefronts are painted perfectly. There's no trash on the street. There are no bullies on the corner. It's all just so perfect. We go to Pioneerland, and we go to Pioneerland, and everybody's getting along. The Indians and the cowboys, everybody's getting along. There's even a saloon that's child-friendly. <laughs> the pirates are all nice. 
They might be a little funny, but, you know, they're all good to children. None of it's real. None of it's true. But we yearn for it. We love it. What is it about us that we are so nostalgic, yearning for an idealized past? Why do we do it? I don't know. I certainly do it. I love Disneyland. I love going there. Even I know it's not true, but I love it. I don't know why we are nostalgic about the past. But I think it's a beautiful part of our character. Not that we change the past. Don't get me wrong there. When we change the facts, we change the reality of what really happened in the past. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about what I admire is the yearning. The desire that we have for a different and better world. To be at peace and find security and find comfort and compassion with one another. That yearning, it's... It's a spiritual thing in us. I think, I think it's of God planted in all of us. Maybe that's why we do it to the Christmas story. It wasn't sweet-smelling hay. It wasn't warm and cozy. It was dangerous and it was lonely. And yet, we create this scene in our minds of comfort and perfection and security and kindness and a baby is born and it is so wonderful and beautiful. At the 7 o'clock service, a young mom was there. She had her three-week-old baby, which I cannot resist. (laughs) And I asked to hold her and I showed her to the congregation. It's like this. What is the sound that came out of the congregation? Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's the yearning. That's hope. That's wonder. That's beauty. It's what's deep inside us and which is what Christmas Eve is about. It's too bad, though, that to have such a yearning a nostalgic feeling, we sometimes have to contort the past to satisfy our yearning. Would it not be better if we focus not so much on the past, but on the future? If nostalgia is defined as a yearning for an idealized past, what's the word for a yearning for an idealized future. Faith, hope, dream. Here's one for you. Future nostalgia. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense, but maybe you'll remember the point. Future nostalgia. I think Martin Luther King Jr. had it. I have a dream that one day the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will sit down in the table table of fellowship together. Did it ever happen? Not really. It's future nostalgia. It's a dream. It's what the world might be. 
and it motivates our actions. That dream of Martin Luther King Jr. has motivated and inspired millions and millions of people to lean into that vision. You see, yearning for an idealized past all the time can often lead us depressed, frustrated, and angry. Yearning into an idealized future can inspire us. It can leave us as people of the greatest optimism about the future. Isaiah the prophet was that way. He wrote hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus Christ. He wrote about a world where the rich and the powerful would take care of the weak and the wounded. He used metaphor to do it. He used animals, wild, angry, tough animals, and animals that are vulnerable. And he described a peaceable kingdom that the Messiah wants to bring. And he's, these are his words from Isaiah chapter 9. He writes, The wolf shall live with the lamb. He's not talking about animals here. He's talking about us. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. Did it ever happen? Did the wolves of Wall Street ever lie down and comfort the lambs of the homeless shelter? No. But is it nice to have that dream? To hold on to it. Do you not have dreams for your life? Do we collectively not have dreams for our world, for our country? Of course we do. We're all caught up with future nostalgia. And when we do, we lean into that future. We live it out. We work to make it happen. Imagine that you have just moved to a new city. You don't have any friends yet, but you have this vision of the way life could be with a group of friends that laugh and play and cry together and support each other. You have that vision and it's so real. You can just imagine yourself there that it affects what you do now in the present tense so that you lean into that future. You yearn for a world where there is not political polarization. You yearn for a world where there is no more homelessness, where all people have meaningful work, where fear, freedom prevails in every corner of the globe, where religious intolerance is forgotten. There is no longer any religious intolerance or racial bigotry is unknown. Isn't that a wonderful dream? And having it, doesn't it cause you to lean into it? Or you study the Bible and you listen to the words of Jesus and the kingdom of God that he describes. In Mark chapter 1, he says, the kingdom of heaven is right next to you. It's right here, near you. The kingdom of goodness and compassion, the kingdom that is symbolized by Christmas Eve, it's around you. Look for it. Embrace it. Love it. It's true. It's real. And you read the Bible long enough, you come to church long enough, and you start allowing that future dream to become more real than the present world of greed 
and shallowness and selfishness. Isn't that something? Where that for which we yearn, that ideal future is more real than this decadent present. That, my friends, is Christianity. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the good news that we proclaim. We are people of the greatest optimism that Almighty God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has given us this dream that is more than real. And so we lean into that dream. We work into that dream. And we know that it is more true than the pettiness we see around us. So tonight, we are nostalgic. For a brief moment this Christmas Eve, We love the snow. For a brief moment, <laughs> we love the snow. <laughs> and we'll talk about this Christmas Eve for decades to come. Do you remember the time when it snowed? And we went to church. And we lit our candles at silent night. And all the lights went out. And we sang silent night, holy night. And it was as nostalgic as Christmas Eve, Mary and Joseph and the baby. Be nostalgic tonight. Yearn for that idealized past, but also yearn for an idealized future. It's like the quote that I so often mentioned that I heard at Holden Village years ago that has affected my theology and my life. It said, Jesus Christ is the memory of our future. Or in other words, Christmas Eve and all that beauty and warmth and wonder. Christmas Eve is the memory of our future. So this Christmas Eve is not just about the past. It's about the future. Amen. Amen. I invite you to turn to page 10 and please stand.